Hello. We are glad you found us. Please sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to When Life Attacks. Is this finally the end of the journey? Is this the final chapter of Cult Month, Jim? No. No? No. Oh, God. Technically, yes. Technically, uh, well, we've been bumming people out because they've been progressively getting worse and worse, and this week will be no reprieve. But after this week, it's actually more It's debatable on if the next group we'll talk about is a cult. And then after that, we should be out of the depressing woods. We'll be on to a totally different thing. I'm so ready to get out of the crazy. I actually, you know, last week was depressing. Uh, Waco was gross. Ruby Ridge was fucked up. But this week's group is just a total... It's a shit show. Yeah, it's it's not fun. No, I, I don't know about you, but I actually... I had to just put down material after a while. I... Normally, I'll go, I'll start prep. We record these on Monday, so I'll already, I have Tuesdays, that's my day off. I'll start my prep for next week's show, usually on Tuesday. And then I'll kind of pick up pieces during the week, and then uh, Saturday, Sunday, I'll really ratchet it up. Uh, This week, I I got to the weekend, and after just all the shit I'd read about this one, I, I, I was good, man. Well, you got my text. I texted you, and I was like, dude... I'm good on this. Yeah. Um, fortunately for me, I have some background knowledge on it. You know, I've done some research, so um, I didn't have to get too, too deep. Um, but obviously this one, we can, this rabbit hole doesn't end. It, it, I should say that it's fascinating. It's a fascinating story. You won't believe all the moving parts to it and the outcome, and it's it's crazy. But we were kind of going through police reports and we were going through things filed with the federal government and I mean we went books and, and I was news reading, articles yeah, it was, I, I was reading autopsy reports it was just yeah. a lot it was a lot and so we're going to consolidate that towards the end of the show as usual as I, I usually insist on this I, I, I know we're a light show and people come to chill with us so I'm, he and I go back and forth about this, and I'm like, we're going we're gonna to be light. We're going to start off light. We're not going to go right down into the chasms of hell. Well, you just depressed me, man. I've got one more week of like crazy that i got to tap into. It's a different kind of crazy, though. Oh, yeah. They know we're going to talk about Scientology. We spoke about Scientology. It's been no mystery the next week we're going to. But the problem was with Scientology is we tried to, we tried to do it all. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a big one. It's a big one. I think now that we've talked so much about all these other groups, I don't know, make it easier to kind of break it down what it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll just be bam, 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 bam. Okay, we're out. Yeah, and, and it's really, I don't know, we'll, we'll, like a, we'll go through today. Yeah, and, you know, next week's next week. Yeah. 
So, and I'm excited about the Unabomber show coming on Discovery. Unabomber's got we've got a Discovery show on Unabomber. Yeah, it's like a eight part miniseries. Holy shit! Oh, Ted Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski, right? Yeah. Now everybody and their brother will be talking about the Unabomber, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to check that out. Speaking right. of Discovery, yeah, yeah, Shark Week, Shark Week, dude. <laughs> My friends in Pennsylvania, they'll love this. They they always because during Shark Week for a while I was religious. Like, it was almost like a Sabbath-type holiday for me. They'd be like, Travis, come on, man, let's go. No, nah, dude, Shark Week. So they had this thing. they just make fun of me. Just, dude, Shark Week, dude, 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 Shark Week, dude. Can't do anything, dude. My wife and I are so committed to Shark Week that if you go to our cal- – we have a – you know, we share a calendar so we know what's going on. And every day, as you can see, Holy Shark shit. Week is – Right is, there. Yeah, we record the new ones, catch some of our old favorites during the day. Air Jaws. Yeah, Totally. It seems like every year now since Air Jaza, they always go back to Seal Island. Yeah, well, it's... I mean, there's good shit there. Yeah, there's yeah. good shit happening there. Yeah. Shark Week, not to be Debbie Downer, but it, it did peak with Air Jaws. Yeah, it did. And, yeah, my, my, my participation has been off. However, Phelps versus Great White. Yeah, I fucking... Hook, line, and sinker on that for me. Yeah? I didn't bite into it. I did. Okay. My wife and I went back and forth over the fact that, A, there's no way he's faster than really any shark I can think of, and, B, he's never going to be in the water with a great white shark. There isn't even one in captivity, so what are we going to do here? Right. So although I was prepared for it, I said, well, how can they do this? Let me take it. Can I take a stab at it? Sure. Since I didn't see it. I saw a little part where they were, like, throwing down a net, and he was putting on his one-millimeter-thick swimsuit so that means you saw everything but the race yes okay so but i still don't know how they did it so here's my guess phelps jumped in the water swam they timed him then they got a great white to go in a straight line somehow timed the great white there you go you're very close okay you're very close by the way those one millimeter suits have you ever tried to put one of those things on do i look like i've tried a one millimeter suit on yeah neither have i but uh i saw I watched a little video on those suits, and they just took average people trying to get into those, and pain, sheer pain those people were in. They were, like, trying to cut it off. <laughs> now, the pitch for this was Phelps versus a great white. Right. He was going to race a great white. Yes. Sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. Sounds epic. Sounds like we're going to watch Phelps die. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Even though like, you knew like, that. Yeah. Let's just send our fucking Olympian now that he's done. Right. He's done with the Olympics now. Right. I, you know, they're. Yeah. Athlete. They Who never. Knows? Yeah. So. But yeah, let's let's send our champ out there to get his leg bit off by a shark. This sounds great. I was hoping they'd have him separated by like a plexiglass wall or, you know, like they lured one in and he just kind of raced one next to right. something involving an actual fucking great white. Yeah. No. So it was a digital great white? They created a system where they tried to clock a great white using bait going from one boat to another and then tried to see when they thought the great white got tuckered out. But having been an Air Jaws fan, we all know that they're towing a goddamn seal at what looks to me to be a pretty high rate of speed. Right. And Jaws always catches up and gets a seal. (laughs) So Phelps could have had a jet ski up his ass. He would, I mean, in my mind, this was a comical thing. Right. And to even make it competitive, did you see when they were trying to put different fins on his feet? No. No, I just saw him get his wetsuit on, and that was about it. We had Game of Thrones, man. We had Game of Thrones. Oh, no. It. Sorry. 
We had uh, we had to watch it over at my house. Good movie, Stephen Good. King. Yeah. yeah, I forgot how cheesy the acting was in that. And the new one's going to be better. Um, I'm pumped. We get, we're going to get to that later. Actually, I want to talk to you more about the that. Uh, the the Phelps situation was clearly he goes five miles an hour in the water. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, put a fin on him, like a, a, a dolphin fin, dorsal fin. Nope, dolphin tail fin oh, okay. to the back of his two feet. Then we went with a shark tail fin in the vertical position with the one millimeter suit in the open ocean. All I know is that I got up this morning, hopped on Reddit and saw everyone was fucking pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Total false advertising. Yeah. And I'd have to agree. Yeah. They're really reaching. Yeah. You knew, you knew they weren't going to have them fucking actually race a shark because we started seeing it and a little, that's kind of why we decided to watch it. It was like, Okay, this isn't going to be what we want. It became pretty obvious. So that's why I came up with the conclusion, oh, they'll just time a shark and then time his his speed in the same waters. You knew they were going to bitch out right away. Yep, yep. First it was, few minutes. Yeah, and you can tell on Shark Week. You can tell the good ones from the bad ones. You, yep. know, you know the bitch out ones versus your air jaws. Now, they got the ratings they were looking for on their show. They wanted big ratings. They got big ratings. What I think ultimately is going to hurt them is, you know, you cry wolf too many times, people stop showing up. Yep. You say he's going to race a great white shark, and we're timing him doing a free swim in the ocean. It's kind of bullshit. Yeah. And, I mean, why did they have to do it at Seal Island? They could have done it on any fucking... Any, oh, they wanted the same water temperature. It was all bullshit. Yeah. Just solid bullshit. We just got, we got effed. Yep. They effed the consumer, the viewer. The viewer was effed. Well, I'm sorry you got fucked. Yeah. I take some solace in the fact that I did watch a DVR. I did not watch any of the commercials that led up to it, and I watched Got first. Nice. I mm-hmm. watched Got, too. It's amazing. I'm, everybody who has a podcast is talking Got. All I can say is if you're not watching it, you should be. It's great. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. We're not a Got podcast, so. No. No, we're I not can't a, remember those fucking names. We're not a Got cast. <laughs> <laughs> so we did do something together this week, though. Holy shit, we actually did. We came together to do research, and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was. It was. It worked out perfect. We needed to get together. We needed to get some research done. And oh, one of like the three or four movies that I actually plan on seeing this year happened to be released at this time. Fucking Dunkirk. It's awesome. It's awesome. Now, you can't really ruin Dunkirk because if you took a history class, you know about it. And this movie is the type of movie where it doesn't really have, I would say, a lead actor. No, it's an ensemble. It's, uh, I mean, it's sort of like Pulp Fiction. It's Pulp Fiction-y, yeah. yeah. Met World War II. Yeah. But with fucking dogfighting and torpedoes and sinking (laughs) ships and soldiers and gunfights and and uh, uh, very human elements it was awesome yeah you got to see what did you think what did you give it uh, give me i like to use a 10 scale you know zero to 10 um i gave it an 8.5 8.5 so strong rating for you yeah it is especially considering yeah i just gave one of my uh, favorite franchises uh what a six i ended up with a with a six on the alien covenant so i gave an 8.5 they're were a couple things that made no sense to me in the movie. Uh, towards the end, there was something that happened with a, one of the pilots. Yep. Just, really, why did you make that call? Mm-hmm. Um, you had multiple options. Right. So, um, so that brought it down for me a little bit. And at times, once again, 
I'm, um, we're not spoiling. This isn't a spoiler yeah, cast. Not but, that we're going to talk about. It's going to ruin the flick for you. Yeah, but I am a bit of a like a mild aviation enthusiast, and some of the some of the CGI on some of the uh, not even the dogfighting scenes. It was actually supposed to be this epic scene, and it almost just looked like a cartoon Spitfire fighter, like just um, with like the backdrop. Of, you know, that took me out of it a little bit. And then there were times where the guy would have his um, beads on the German, you know, on the German plane. You're like, this is when you fire. But then he doesn't fire, and then it clips to his face, and then it clips to him again, and then the bead's not quite where you'd probably want to, you know. Every now and then it was, every now and then it wasn't. So I wanted to see a little bit more, cons- but that's nitpicking. That is very much nitpicking. Almost asshole nitpicking, really. Yeah, um, because it was close to on. It was just, you know, but it was just, there was some like, uh, then How again... Okay. How many people could make that movie? Like, you and I could spend the rest of our collective lives just trying to come close and probably wouldn't. No, no. Christopher Nolan's awesome, man. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It, um, big, you you love the score. Yep. It's I, a big step up from Interstellar. Even though I liked Interstellar, this is a much higher quality flick. Um, okay, this is going to be somewhat spoilery, so just click ahead, wait, like, wait, two wait, clicks. You can't spoil. I said somewhat spoilery. I can't think of anything so, that would spoil it. Okay, just click two clicks ahead if you don't want to hear this. So you're going to 30 seconds. 30 seconds. All right. All right. So the guy becomes an ace in one sortie. How many... Okay, it takes five kills to become an ace. That dude was knocking him down left and right. That's not easy. So, yes, that's a testament to his awesomeness, but at the same time... You question if it happened in real life. Right. Becoming an ace in one sortie... Uh, highly unlikely. Now, you research this? Are there pilots that have done I'm asking it? you, did you research whether or not this happened at Dunkirk? No, I didn't. So you're not sure? I'm not sure. Okay. But it just seems, so that's why I'm saying it seems very heroic if he did do that. But, you know, it seems a little, maybe, I don't know. I think we've hit our 30 seconds on that, so I'm going to stop. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're good there. So I gave it a nine and a half, and I don't ever give out nine and a half. No. No. Yeah, you came away. You were... Loved it. It we, was amazing. We couldn't really even talk afterwards. Which we, we actually went and got some food because of the expensive... Can you believe that shit? Those dude, hot dogs, dude? That was fucking retarded. That was nuts. $20 for two hot dogs and two drinks. Yeah. That's fucking Major League Baseball prices at a, at a theater. <laughs> yeah. That was ridiculous. I don't wonder why I'm sitting on a leather chair. <laughs> I think oh, one of my other gripes would be, um, and this is almost with every war movie, you, it was hard to tell who was who at times. Yeah, I found that was difficult. Yeah, um, I mean, at least don't cast everyone with black hair. Maybe have a guy with brown hair. Maybe have a guy with blonde hair, red hair. Well, and they were even the same body style and the same hairstyle. It was tough. Yeah, they were all very skinny, thin, black-haired British guys. Yeah. So, pasty. Your basic World War II concentration camp problems. Like, who are we looking at now? Yeah. Um, that might have been in poor taste. That probably was. <laughs> I was going to say just, you know, you put a helmet on them, and they kind of all look the same. Some of them, then when their helmets come off, you're kind of like, okay, that's... Okay, I can narrow it down to two guys who that might be. It's funny that you name football players with identifying them with numbers right after I went with the concentration camp likeness. Mm-hmm. Then we go right to the Wait, perfectly football players, but I, I just, you know, the numbers thing. Yeah, football players, it's easier with the numbers, yeah. But it was awesome. 
It was. It so, was an awesome movie. You got to go out and see it. It did fifty million this weekend, which isn't a huge opening. No, that's not great at all. <clears throat> Alien Covenant did. What did Alien? Might have beat that opening, but they they fell off by like seventy percent in the second week. I I think this movie will stay. He needs to make one hundred and fifty million to break even. So when you start at fifty, not ninety, that's tough. See, and that sucks because probably less Americans are going to see it because they're like. I was about the British. What do I care about what happened to the British? Because it was radical. It was an amazing story. That's why you want to go see this, yes. And had it not been for those British getting out, there would have been no fucking D-Day. Now, did you see Covenant twice or once? Twice. You saw it twice. I'm going to go see this again because I want to go see an actual IMAX 70. We had a butchered version of that at uh, the Marcus Theater. Yeah. um, Make sure you invite me along for that. You want to do that? Yeah, I want to see that movie again. We're definitely smuggling in anything we're eating because this is bullshit. Oh, yeah. Fuck that shit. Now, I know I've bitched about this before, but this was the first time that you noticed it. The loud rapping in theater food. Why doesn't the... I mean, if I'm selling shit to people in a theater, I don't cellophane everything. Right. Didn't it feel like it lasted minutes for her to unwrap whatever it was she was unwrapping? Uh, the only thing better they could have done was maybe uh, packaged it in like bubble wrap, <laughs> <laughs> just so like afterwards then they can just pop, pop, uh, pop, and God. annoy the movie for you. Um, that sucked. But, but here's suck. here's for me half of how I knew like you know I can recommend this movie to other people. What age range would you say the majority of the audience was in that theater? God, you know, I didn't really take stock of that. I didn't inventory at all. A lot of teenagers. Were there? A lot of teenagers. Thursday night, you know, it's an opening release. It's dead of summer, so they've probably seen everything already. Yeah. So they come into this show, and with other movies that we've seen there, like you said, the wrapping, the cellophane, people that bring their Cokes in from home. I hate that. (laughs) All throughout the damn movie. But this movie just starts you off with intensity. And it just ratchets up the whole way through. And within the first minute of that movie, all that bullshit stopped. It did. All those fucking, yep, yep, cell phoning, you know, easily distractible. Like, they just shut the fuck up and they watched that movie and they went for a ride for an hour and 47 minutes. Which is awesome, right? An hour, 47 minutes. I mean, we got to the meat of it. There was no bullshit love story. We weren't waiting for a nurse and a flight, you know, like Pearl Harbor bullshit. (laughs) Right. Pearl Harbor could have lost that entire storyline and it would have been way better. Way better. They could have cut out so much of that movie. So much. So um, for me, that was sort of a barometer of how it would do for people if they just go out and see it and give it a chance. If these teenagers could just shut the fuck up for an hour and 47 minutes and, you know, go for the ride, so can you. I had something pointed out to me today that I thought was an interesting fun fact. So of our fighting brave men and women overseas that are in Afghanistan and Iraq. The majority of them are too young to actually remember 9-11. Are you serious? I'm serious. They're in their ones, twos, threes, you know? Yep. I mean, you wouldn't have a 16-year-old over there, but you have, you know, three, four, five years old. You don't remember events like that when you're that young. Yeah. And they're over there fighting for what they've, you know, they've seen the replays, but it would be akin to, I don't know, Kennedy getting assassinated for us or Reagan getting shot. You know, you don't really remember it. You know, right. it happened. It seems close. I don't think I would have gone out and, you know, even being that age when Reagan was shot, because I clearly don't remember it. Yeah, you're not going to get me over there fighting for Reagan getting shot. 
Yeah, you might, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, like, it would be, like, Cold War for me. I would have hunted like bin Laden happily. Yes. You know, if I was on that team, that would have been cool. But when we were trying to tie the shit to the other things, that you lost me. Yeah, I was initially um, actually actively looking to enlist when that happened. So. And now the men and women that are over there don't even, you know, we can remember where we were when it happened, and they're like, oh, this uh, is forever ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. How weird is that? That's so a, weird. Yeah, that is an interesting stat. Ah, so, you know. So it's. I was talking Star Trek, actually. You were. You were. And I did, I, we were those talking about this before be, we started. Yeah, those guys would be the red shirts. The, uh, the fighters of the red shirts? Yeah, yeah, security force. I was always confused on the shirt. Like, Spock was blue. And yeah, and you had so many different, yeah. But then, so, like, in the original series, the command crew was, like, yellow. Yep. You know, and Captain Kirk wore yellow. But then you got to Picard, and he was wearing red. Everybody was in red. It seemed like Riker was in red. Lots of shoulder pads. Yeah. Yeah, heavy shoulder pads by that time. That, yeah. Yeah, 80s, man. 80s. And when we went to the movies, remember, by the time we were bringing whales back through time, everybody was in red. Yeah. With some weird white collars, like, <laughs> right. like turtlenecks. Yeah. yeah, even Kirk was wearing red and con. Right. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I don't know. So, as a barometer, because I think the new movies are using the original series for their barometer of colors. So I guess like they've color coded the new star Trek cat young Kirk, right to the original television show before we meet him. And he's, that's the way I'm to, once again, I'm not a Trekkie or a Trekker and there is a difference. They, oh, there is. Okay. What is the difference? <laughs> once again, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you because I'm sure some Trekkie or Trekker will get pissed off at me for butchering it. Go for it. Essentially, the Trekkies are, like, people that, um, fuck, I don't even remember how they, the Trekker is, like, someone that's trekking along with the show, whereas a Trekkie is, like, heavily involved or something. I don't know. There are people, they, they have, yeah, don't. So nerds don't, have found a way to n- bully other nerds? Yes. That's brilliant. And uh, don't, don't get in the middle of it. So I yeah. know, I know I'm probably wrong, but let's just use... The old basic rudimentary understanding of color coding that I have. What would you, in your profession, what would you be? What color shirt would you be? My profession? Which one? Because I could be okay. expendable. Right. <laughs> I could be the poor guy that you're like, I don't recognize him. <laughs> you know, the crew member number 132. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of that. You know, other times, I mean, right here, we're sitting at the bridge. Right. So you're wearing, a, you're wearing the yellow. Could be wearing yellow. Yeah. Um, See what was uh, what was uh, Scotty? I think Scotty was a red, red because he was engineering. Yeah, I'm not an engineer. I'm not an engineer. I'm more uh, You're not security. Nope, not security. I mean, although I general contract, mm-hmm. I'm not. I got to tell you, I'm not the skill behind the hammer all the time. The guys that are, <laughs> you know. Uh, so you I, you would probably be a yellow shirt. Yeah, administration. Yeah, you'd yeah. be a yellow shirt. I sub a lot of shit yeah. out. I'd be a blue. <laughs> believe it or not, I'd be a blue shirt. You would. You'd be the a science guy. Yeah, medical science guy. So, and even on the bridge, I would be. You'd be like Kirk. I would be Spock. Bones. I would be bones. bones. Actually, fuck that. Yeah, I'd be Bones. Now, Bones is a doctor. Right. Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor, but I am medical. I would be with the medical personnel. You don't think they give you baby blues so that they look like they were in charge? 
No, like no. they'd be dark blue and you'd be no, baby no, blue. no. Because remember, in Star Trek, by that time they'd gotten rid of all that shit. Like I'd have to wear pink while Scotty was wearing red, kind of a deal. <laughs> no, you don't think they emasculated people in space that maybe, were a, maybe in like boot camp or something less learned. Like ah, you know, you really don't make the fucking call, so uh, <laughs> you don't get to wear the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think I would just be blue. You'd be yellow. Um, what do I'd, you think? What do you think a waitress would be? <laughs> or like a waiter, like if they had them like on the Enterprise. Again, what color was expendable? Red. What, which which person do you want to see get punched, killed, trapped in something, sent out to space, you captured? To, you're saying this about waiters? About, about any any menial, non significant plot character was that color, whatever right. color that may be. Well, blue shirts and yellow shirts got it too, but. Was there a green? I feel like green was expensive. That was later in, um, I think, Next Generation. I think they had a green. I can't. It wasn't in original. Yeah, it wasn't in the original. Because there was Deep Space. There was gener- There was there was Generations. There was the original Star Trek. Then there was uh, what was the most recent Voyager. One? Voyager. There you go. No, that wasn't the most recent. But Voyager had the female captain, Jane Way. Was Deep Space Nine the most recent? There was Deep Space Nine. There was no. What was the one with Scott Bakula? Enterprise. I hope that there's people listening that really are Trekker, Trekkies, whatever. That <laughs> and are just, they're just boiling. They're just like, <laughs> you fucking morons. <laughs> you guys would all be red shirts. You'd, yeah. uh, you'd be capped. You'd be crewman number 132, and you'd be crewman number 133. We just made their day, man. They just they feel so superior right now. I know. The, um, actually, um, you'll hear from them later in the show, I believe, right? Um, friendly Neighborhood Pharmacist. Yeah, we have a something way different. We have a, uh, what would you call it, an interview? Yeah. You interviewed a pharmacist about, do uh, you want to get into this next group? Let's get into this next group real quick, though. He said uh, waitresses and waiters, there would because all the food's automatically dispensed. So, you know, you just push the button and your little space sludge comes out. So technically, waiters, cooks, all that stuff would be red shirts. Because it'd be mechanical, because the only time they'd have to do something with the food is if one of the machines goes haywire. What so is wrong with your brain? What? Your answer, like, this question, that was like, you know, you're way out of context. Sorry. Like, while we were talking about other shit, your brain was working out the problem in question you asked me. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, figured it out, barfed it right out over the mic. Yeah, yeah. It's a red shirt, Jim. It's a red shirt as a waiter. Yeah, I have a headache. We have demeaned all waiters, saying that they were automated in the future and therefore <laughs> pointless. <laughs> but wasn't there a bartender in one of them? Uh, yeah. Neelix or something? Maybe. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's bring it down, huh? Let's bring the mood down. Let's get depressing. I am going... Now, last week I sort of did the setup in the run-through on uh, Waco. You can set up, and I'll be color this week. Especially oh. since you have your own interview. He has his own interview with a pharmacist regarding the inevitable outcome of this uh, Jonestown group. I did not like the research for this cult. Oh, God, no. I was, I was shocked, actually. I heard back from you, like, day one. On day one of our research, you were just like, I'm done. I'm done, man. I read enough. And you, I don't want to call you soulless, yeah, I'm pretty cold. But, yeah, you you can handle a lot of shit. And when you started getting into this, I, I thought you knew about it, so I didn't think you 
you know, I'm embarrassed to tell you, I thought I knew about it too. But, you know, we've been approaching researching these cults in a little, you know, we're trying to stay away from the organized uh, you know, news story or the, uh, the uh, movies about them or documentaries. We just kind of try to be- uncover some facts. Right. And when you're reading the black and white facts, it kind of hit, I don't know, it hit me, man. It's really, really graphic shit. Now, what, what hit you? Well, I didn't realize the numbers. Big numbers. 900, a little over 900 dead in Guyana. I didn't realize how many of those were kids and families. One third was children. I didn't realize the time frame at which it took place. Yeah, very. I mean, it was a couple out. It was a couple hours or less. Uh, it was, took place within a day. And just the, all of the color that goes along with it. So you know, we're, we're talking about Jonestown, and some of our older listeners can probably connect to the day. It happened. Yeah, my dad remembers it. He was on a basket, you know, his, he was a sophomore in high school and his team was out playing an away game. And he said he'd never heard of Guyana before. And then all of a sudden, just everybody's like, holy shit, are you serious? 900 fucking people did this? Now, did your dad hear about it as the 900 people that were dead? Or did he hear about it as congressman was killed in Guyana? What's going on? Uh, well, let's see, D.C., so Washington Post probably would have been the closest. And at first, Washington Post was reporting, like, 400 dead. Uh, that was really, you know, and then all of a sudden, as they started uncovering more and more bodies underneath bodies, and it was like, oh, man, we grossly, grossly miscalculated the death toll on this. Um, so he wasn't, you know, he doesn't rem- he just remembers hearing, holy shit, 900 dead in Guyana, those people all just killed themselves. It's, it's funny you asked your dad because I asked both my mom and my dad. And uh, my dad remembers hearing about the congressman. He's like, a congressman was killed in, uh, in Guyana. He was aware of Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had heard some, some rough body count figures. But because of where it was and how remote, I mean, they were in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. Things were pretty blurry. Yeah. Uh, what about your mom? What did your mom have to say about it? Well... My mom tied it in. I tried to get, like, where were you and what was your reaction? And, and, you know, she told me a lot of, you know, it was a big deal and it was all over the newspaper. And, you know, they interrupted regular TV programming to bring you coverage of it. But it was they were a little late kind of getting there and getting all of the facts straight. I believe an NBC News crew went down at the same time. Let's get into this. Let's kind of we'll give them a little bit yeah. about Jonestown. And let, we'll yeah. feed them what happened and. and and uh, we'll go into this. Yeah, so we're going to give you the we're just going to give you the fucking story and then we'll give you some backstory as we're going into the story because this one is just too we can't do it like the other ones, you know? There's too much shit. Yeah, we and don't want to so, have another 3-hour show. Yeah, and let's give them a break. Yeah. But I do find it interesting though to hear the old folks takes on it just because <laughs> my mom's going to be pissed when you call her an old folks. Fuck. Uh, well, I was referring specifically to my dad. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't think he'd appreciate it either. Yeah, you know, he gives me shit. He could too. probably kick both of our asses. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> together. We could both take, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't know about you, but I was negative three almost to the day when this happened, so I have no memory of it. I was neat. I had, I had two. I was yeah. Like two. So, no Nothing. memory. Nada. Just kind of like the 9 11 kids yep. that are fight. Yep. So, this was like Jonestown. Yeah, Jonestown. It'd be like, Oh, go fight for Jones. Well, I don't know about that. I was negative three when this happened. 
So Jonestown. Okay, so 900 dead. And the greatest. Now, have you heard? I have a figure, which is why I'm embarrassed I hadn't heard about it in, in, these, in this context. It's the greatest single loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act up until we reached 9-11, to bring 9-11 back into the conversation. And I honestly think 9-11 is in its own... Kind of it, different, but it's yeah. In, yeah, it's in its own, like, league. It's in a league of its own, and this is very much in a league of its own, but I definitely, you would have to say, this is, like, the granddaddy of all of, the, like, the fucking... Cult shit that's cult modern, shit. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, fuck. Well, essentially, <laughs> like, we have a... What, what happened was, what Jonestown was was it was sort of a semi-socialism, semi-communism oasis where they were going to have where this where Jim Jones, which will go into this loser, brought a thousand of his disciples down to have this puritanical resort. Not puritanical, that would be like the people that came off the Mayflower. Um idyllic. Idyllic, you feel Idyllic, yeah, because Puritanical speaks to a specific religious belief, and these guys were not Puritan. They were not Puritans. No, I suppose that's true. So, I was using it in more of a... A purist, sort of. If you will. They were going to live off the land. They were going to be socialists, communists, share yep. everything. Yep, and they were going to live off the land. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they had things importing the United States through the church because... Since he was a church, you know, he was able to get church status. He was able to get the church exemption status. It was a, what, what 68% of the group was in a, a different race. They weren't white. They were uh, black. I believe or, 75% of the congregation was black. So very progressive. Very progressive. And uh, they were led up by this Jim Jones character who was, uh, uh, had brought a reputation with him from uh, his beginnings in Indiana. The faith healer. All the way through California of being a civil rights leader, a uh, evangelical faith healer, a spiritual guide, all the way down to just before he leaves, saying that the Bible's evil and that uh, uh, he may be an agnostic or atheist and that he was going to preach his own brand yeah. of, of, of faith and yeah. that there were, there was no God that was going to come down and help you, but you needed to help yourself and we needed to help each other. And so he actually took people from all of these sort of lost faiths and said, Hey, uh, you know, I- I'm reaching you through religion, but what I'm trying to tell you about religion is, uh, you're the one that needs religion. Religion doesn't need you. Right. There is no eye in the sky. There's no great big bearded man. The Bible's just a book, and one of them, he threw a fucking Bible against the ground. People went, <gasps> and he said, well, did fucking bolts of lightning come down and fucking hit me? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? And people plotted and went fucking fanatical. The guy could, you know, he convinced the, the, the church that he made this 95-year-old woman. She was able to walk. He convinced them that he was able to cure another woman of her cancer. I mean, the guy... But like a, but what was so magnificently manipulative was he would do that, and then he would look at that person and say, "I didn't do anything. You did it. You did it for yourself, and you're going to have to continue to do it for yourself. And we're going to have to do it for each other. We're going to have to pull together if we want to have, if we want to survive the nuclear apocalypse, if we want to survive the the treachery and 
depressive nature of capitalism. We need to come together as a group and support one another. Yes. And then he would put them to work for 20 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and did, did you say he had concubines? Oh, he had concubines. Well, is there a male equivalent to concubines? Because he, yeah, he, he just had was some, a switch hitter, right? Yeah, he was a switch hitter. Yeah, he had some boy toys, too. Although that was, in his mind, completely off limits. That was totally off limits. That was wrong. You're not supposed to do that. And according to him, he was the only man in the world that was a heterosexual. Everyone else was a little gay. But he just did that to help those guys just bring them a little closer. Bring them a little closer to the, to the, the, the true... If he could bring homosexual men comfort and bring them into the... What was the name of the church? The People's Temple. And bring and it's them a longer, it. There's a longer title to it, but it's just, yeah, it's commonly known as the People's Temple. This guy played it fast and loose. No matter what person he was engaged with, he was... How did he say it? If you want me to be your... If you want me to be your father, I'll be your father. I'm paraphrasing. If you want me to be your brother, I'll be your brother. If you want me to be your God, I will be your God. And he Ugh. did this guy in this. He was a ranting and raving type personality. Holy shit, man. Have you listened to any of his sermons? Uh, that was part of day one and it was not pleasant. Yeah. Um, if I mean, if you if you have like a morbid curiosity like me, check out some of his sermons because they're fucking they are turbocharged. They're gross is what they are. Um, holy shit. What was the one where he was talking about, like being a fucking fighter for. I can't remember, man, but, I mean, shit he went off on. But, I mean, it was very Sammy Davis. It was almost like listening to, like, Johnny Cochran meets Preacher, uh, like the way the guy talked. You know, he used a lot of alliteration, rhymed a lot, you know. He, um, for that time, I could see how people would see him as being a powerful speaker because just someone, as someone that studied speech uh, and public speaking – yeah, dude could do it. He was... I'm not saying his content, you know, his content was good, but just uh, as looking at him as a public orator, orator, guy was phenomenal. He was a, a white man fighting for uh, minorities right. in a time where that really wasn't happening. Yeah. And he was able to... I mean, if you go through the history of Jim Jones he really used his fight for racial equality as a catapult to put him in the forefront of authority, getting mm-hmm. lots of different political positions. Didn't he, didn't he, wasn't he even fucking around like Harvey Milk and Walter Mondale and uh, he, he, Jimmy he, Carter's he, wife? Was it one of his churches? I mean, he wasn't a he, nobody. He was definitely, yeah, the Grateful Dead would show up um, or were said to have shown up. Um, he was very much in the ear of powerful people. Because he kind of goes from Indiana to uh, moving his congregation out to California to all of a sudden making the exodus to, to Jonestown. Well, no, then going, yeah, to California, like out in the middle, like Redwoods, California, then into the cities of California. Um, namely, the biggest one would be San Francisco. And then, yeah, then the jungles of Guyana. Right, and, and that was kind of... That was going to be sort of like a little resort he could send people to from these big cities to sort of, I don't know. uh, To me, it was going to be like a brainwashing camp. And to him, it was 
you know, his little... Uh, it was Jonestown, man. It was <laughs> fucking Jonestown. It's named go after to, him. Yeah, go down to Jonestown, Happy Town. It's in the jungle. Like, he would send um, people, like, um, he would take little missions down there. He'd send people, like, um, videos back. You know, he'd be like, the bananas, man. You know, and he'd open up a banana, eat it, he'd be like, oh, dude, these bananas are way better than what they have in the States. These bananas. And he'd go to, like, a like a cooler and be like, look at this. You know, we've, we still have amenities from home. Look at this. Kool-Aid. Tons of Kool-Aid here for everybody. Um, and so... He made the life look attractive. Yeah, and it was all built by church people. All church workers. They, they built this town up in the middle of the jungle from nothing all by themselves. It almost looked like a brochure. Like, that was part of what he was selling people when they're all out in the middle of nowhere in uh, California and then ultimately taking it to these big cities yeah. saying, look what we're producing. We're producing a place for our congregation to uh, it look like R&R at first. But yeah, a little heaven on earth. You know, this is our little slice of paradise. The whole group, though, ends up going down there sort of as this last second. Uh, well, at the end, yeah. But, I mean, pictures, you see the picture of the girl with, like, just the toucan resting on her arm, and she's like, you know, petting the toucan. It's adorable shit, right? Wasn't it some sort of agriculture? It was under some the, sort of... Uh, the People's Temple Agricultural Project. Yeah, it, it had a very hippie, yeah, uh, like, almost it just, experimental type yeah, thing Yeah, because I think even in the late 70s, people were still living in communes and shit from, like, leftover from the 60s. I think people were still doing communes. Well, shit, we still have people doing communes today. So... But what happens is, and as this goes on, Jones is um, becoming more and more reliant on drugs. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's using drugs. He's, a, he's a, drinking, a, you know. Minute-to-minute minute drug user. Yes. Um, he's basically fucking everything under his, well, he, under the sky, really. He's mm. torturing, abusing, raping uh, manipulating, sleeping with all members of his congregation. Yes. Um, members of the congregation have to remain celibate unless married. And of course, you know, he has some say in that, you know, who's, who can, yeah. And so when people are leaving the group in California, so people start to defect, right. People start to defect and in his paranoid mind, like that drives him nuts. So when people start to defect, that means the truth might get out. And it was. Part of, the, part of why they were defecting was these shameful acts of rape and wanting to, you know, lay with dudes' wives and... Public beatings, public shaming. They leave. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the cult is, you know, has this little agricultural respite in Guyana, but it's pretty much, you know, in the United States and it's operating and the IRS is kind of starting to look at them and say, you know, if this guy's not really believing in God now, right. is this still a nonprofit organization? And then should the def- we lift the, ter- ter- the tax exemption? And he's collecting all this money. Remember he originally gets involved in all of this crap because he sees the evangelical church just snatching checks. Yeah. Just, but bam, cancer, no more. Fifteen hundred dollars. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so by the time it matures in California, and we've got the IRS coming down on them, and people have left the group, and now they're starting to talk to reporters. Yes. One article in particular triggers him to freak out and order everybody go to the go mass exodus. We're going, and um, and it wasn't easy for those people to do that. 
to make those reporting claims because by this point, uh, they'd sort of kind of started to militarize a little. They had people outside their camps looking very Black Panthery, Che Guevara wearing the berets and shit. Intimidation. Intimidation, walking around, and apparently, you know, it's for protection. Uh, they said it was to protect the inside from the outside because people would drive by and honk their horns during sermons. Um, Call them very bad names. Yep, and names. And very bad names. And lover, yep. Yeah, yeah, in lover. And so... Um, but see, that's part of the mind fuck, is that yeah. he looks like this amazing civil rights kind of driving force to the public eye, and politicians are warming up to him, trying to get minority votes, kissing babies. Yep. Uh, people like Harvey Milk are using uh, his platform to try to galvanize the, the community for, for, you know, recognizing San Francisco, right. that movement. Yep. And, uh, it, it's, he has this, this persona like, Hey, I'm a good dude. And on the back channels, he's not such a he, great dude. Kind of pure evil. It's not bad to be, uh, to, you know, to be a closeted homosexual in the seventies. It was a common thing. And if you were a, a public figure and you're trying to fight for a cause, I can understand why you didn't want that to get out. It wasn't like it was treated today. Right. But when you start taking that position to your, to your followers and you're literally either using sex to get followers or raping the followers you have because you're in a drug-induced fit, I mean, his own kid describes him as a total sociopath who's lost his mind drug addict. Yeah. He, he, it, it takes a different form. Yeah. And so these these people had to worry about these, like, basically, they would eventually be called the Red Brigade. But this higher, you know, this muscle, this muscle within the church, they were afraid they were going to be, that they were going to just die. And so, but they decided it was, you know, the story had to be told. And so they went to the press. And it took a little while because Jones was in the ear of all these politicians. And they're going, wait, 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 wait. No, this is a good guy. This is a good cause. But eventually, someone eventually does publish an expose in 77. And like our, like as soon as they find that, the, that it's going to print, they're gone. Gone to Guyana. Gone to, to Jonestown. G- yes, to Jonestown. Little slice of paradise. So, how, so we get to Jonestown. Yeah, how do we get to the, what triggered so, the problems really? And so we get down to Jonestown. And all these people just kind of up and leave in the middle of the night, right? And they don't, a lot of people, some people, like, they don't even say goodbye to their families or anything. They're just gone. And so during this time, um, while they're at Jonestown, Jones sort of turns it into his own little, like... Concentration camp. Yeah. um, You know, at this point, the people that were muscle out in the streets there in San Francisco were now armed with guns. And the guns weren't pointed out towards, you know, potential threats. They were pointed inwards. And he would work the people long, grueling hours like San Francisco. But now, you know, they've got this agriculture to work. So they're working long, tough hours. And then in the middle of the nights, he would call this thing called a white night. He called white night, white night. Uh, the government's coming for us. The government's coming for us. And so they would have some people come and get the children and just say, Run! The government's after you. Run as fast as you can. Go hide in the jungle. Uh, they would create a sense of paranoia. And, of course, when these people are s- 
sleep deprived, they're not thinking too well for themselves as is. And on one particular white night, they gathered up people, the congregation, and he said, okay, here are our options. We flee to Russia. We do this other thing. I can't remember what it was. Like, we give up. Or we commit political suicide. You know, this is an ultimate protest. We don't fight anybody or anything, but we commit this political suicide. We all kill ourselves. Let's vote. Who's, Who's with me? And they're like, yeah, let's do this political suicide. He's like, all right, step on up. Have some drinks. And all of a sudden, people go, what, what? Wait, what? And so they come up, and he starts pouring glasses of, of um, I don't know what it was at the time, probably Kool-Aid, orange juice, something like that. Flavor-Aid, I believe Flavor-Aid. is what it was called. And so, um, and he tells them, all right, you know, you believe in the cause that much? You're that good? Take a drink. Not just take a drink, remember? It take was a drink? Your family takes a drink and lays together to politi- to, to so everybody in your little family drinks the Kool-Aid. Yep, take a drink. Go lay down and die. Yep, this is poison. Take a drink. And they take a drink, you know, very reluctant, but it's group mentality at this point. You know, he's got communism, communism, the group, the group, the group. So people are just like, well, I don't want to let my family down. I don't want to let my community down. And so they drink the drink. And then about 30 minutes later, he says, you're all fine. That wasn't poison. Go back to bed. Super fucked up. Yeah. And the, so then you've got the people that didn't contribute and weren't, like, drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, now they're ostracized for not participating. Like, they're not full-on Jonesies now. Yeah, they're getting beaten. They're getting thrown in pits. And then, like, Jones will say, like, I'm b- stay in that pit, and I'm going to throw some fucking snakes in that pit. And if you don't stay in that fucking pit, you're going to get it even worse. Like, just crazy shit. Didn't you think the background of all of that uh, mixed with the fact they weren't ready to have all of those people come down like they did? Right, right. Uh, They were living in very cramped housing arrangements. Um, Food shortages. Food shortages, yeah. The agricultural thing wasn't coming together quite that fast. Yeah, it it wasn't ready for it. Right, and it was kind of on poor soil from what I read. So, um, you know. So they're kind of starving to death. They're not sleeping well. Well, it went by one survivor said that it started off... Uh, for a meal, you had a biscuit, gravy, and rice. Then it just went down to a biscuit and rice. Then it just went down to fucking rice. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? We didn't grow rice. <laughs> right. And so... Um, what are those goddamn bananas now? Yeah. And so the... Um, so they're starving and, and to death. They're starving to death. And so now here's where things start to come to a head. So people, these people are in the middle of the jungle... Uh, Georgetown is the nearest city away, and that's a fucking... You got a boat or plane it. Um, and even Port Kaituma, where the fucking airstrip and all that is, is uh, you got to go miles yeah, through it's the... like another 15 through the jungle. Through the fucking jungle. All right? Like, I know for us, like, it sounds like, oh, dude, I can, like... yeah, No, dude, it's the fucking jungle, man. And so these people, there was no pay phones. And so... They would get, and their their letters were getting censored. Um, you know, it was very much kind of like the military where they censor your letters. You know, don't give away troop deployments. Don't give away we're starving you. Well, he was all strung out. He's strung out. He he's, no he's longer paranoid. Had the- he's paranoid of the government. He's paranoid 
of the press and he's paranoid of defectors because they're all going to come raining down and crashing in on his own little personal paradise that he created for himself. Well, they're compounded by the drugs. But in addition to that, remember, he was tight. You know, he was very much in the public eye. He's rubbing elbows with political leaders. He's he's a he's got a different mission to sort of occupy this insane OCD he's got. I mean, he's uh, just... He's very controlling. He's nuts. So he's when nuts. He, all but, of a but, sudden, uh, all that shit's shut off to him, and he's taking care of these thousand people, all that extra energy just rides on all of them. Yeah. And he does not want to lose a single one of them. He just does... He can't stand it, because if he loses... The more he loses, the more power he loses. And the more he gets exposed as a fucking shitty person. And so what's happening is then these families back in the States, in California, are going, well, we're not really getting letters from our, our relatives. Or the ones we are getting are sort of just mindless drivel. We're worried about what's going on there in Jonestown. We're worried about the conditions. <laughs> we read this article recently that <laughs> came out, and when they jetted, we we're like, mm, not good. Yeah. And so uh, eventually a group of, um, uh, what do they call it, concerned relatives... And some of the survivors and, and people that had defected. And defectors, correct. It was um, concerned relatives and defectors that sort of petitioned um, this congressman, Leo Ryan, who was, um, he was sort of known as a, uh, he was an interesting, con- you know, he was an interesting one. Uh, just to like, for example, one of the things that I heard was that he, he wanted to know the conditions in the prison system. So he spent two nights in Alcatraz. You know, he was very hands-on. And he was from California. Right. But now they they initially went to the State Department, right, to try to get help, and they wanted him to investigate Jones. And Ryan overhears this, and he's like, hey, I'm going to get involved. Knows they're from California, and it's from there. He's like, Yeah, it's something like that, families. but he's just like, yeah, like, all right, well, let's get to the bottom to, of it. Let's just see what's happening. And so he flies down with a group of defectors and um, concerned relatives and a couple of journalists. Um, A film crew from NBC um, or a news crew from NBC and then a couple of like I think he had like a guy from the Washington Post, the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah, the Chronicle. I remember two guys being from the Chronicle and like six or seven. Yeah, like a cameraman from from, Yep. And then you had like um Yep, and then you had um, yeah, NBC, and then I, I think there was a guy from the Washington Post down there. Not sure. So they go down, and they arrive in Georgetown, and they've got little like a little base of operations in Georgetown too. That that way they can kind of know what's going on with the world, and they'll use CB radio and communicate back and forth with Jonestown. So You're saying the church has a kind of base in Georgetown, and then they have their Jonestown actual sanctuary. Correct. And so they arrive, the congressmen and the entourage, if you will, arrive in Georgetown. Don't they arrive at that shitty airstrip? They arrive in Georgetown, and they kind of make their presence known. You know, they visit the Jonestown um, base of operations there. And people are on edge. And uh, Jim Jones, three of his sons are there for a basketball tournament against the Guyanese national team. And so, you know, 
Stephen Jones, the son, the biological son, was kind of like, okay, what the fuck is up? Like, I know dad's fucking crazy and nuts. Now the senator's here. And the senator was very much just like, hey, guys, how's it going? How are you? Ah, just here. You know, I've got some worried people. Just want to see what's going on. And eventually they get approved to go to Jonestown. Uh, They're there for like two days or so, and they get approved. And so they have to fly them in to Jonestown to this, um, the local, you know, the local little landing strip there, Port Kaituma. And so then they land there and they load them up in the back of these just, what the fuck would you call those trucks? You know? Toyotas. <laughs> no, not like Toyotas. Like these huge flatbed, almost like garbage, open-faced garbage trucks or some shit. They just look like old, shitty flatbed trucks. Yeah, and... Um, but they're huge. They're, like, huge. They're bigger than, like, you know, your typical Ford. And they load them up, and they bring them in there. And so Jones is like, all right, here's what we're going to do, man. Uh, congressman asks you what's going on. You're fucking happy here, man. The press asks you what's going on. You're happy. Your concerned relatives ask you what's going on. You're happy. But by the way... These people are pieces of shit. Do not give... If you give in to your, um, your, your concerned relative, then you're even fucking worse than they are, and they're already... They're lower than fucking scum. If you give in to any of these people... So, you know, these people that had relatives coming, uh, when the relatives got there, they said they found... Um, one of them specifically, Anthony Katsaris, said when he saw his sister Maria Katsaris there, who was considered one of Jones's concubines, if you will, said he just found his sister just to be wooden, non-responsive, just very, just, uh-huh, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, just stiff as a board. Because if she shows any emotion towards him, showing any emotion towards an outsider, a concerned family member, then she's even worse than him. And for her, you know, that to, to drop out of that favor to be, you know, just scum. They can't have that. Well, he's at the end of his rope. So right. they're watching beatings going on and torturing going on. So all the while you're thinking, what is this psychopath going to do to my family if I, you know, speak out against us? Not let alone what will happen to me, what will happen to them? They're pretty isolated. Yeah, yeah. You're in the middle of the fucking jungle. But what they do is they throw a welcoming party. And have you seen the footage of that party? It was pretty swinging, man. You know, it's... um there was one great performance. They had like a band playing, badass fucking musical performance by this one. Well, she she died the next day, but um, I mean, it just seemed like everyone was having a groovy time, including the uh, the congressman. And he said, you know, he went up to make a speech, and he was like talking to some of you, um, to the majority of you. Uh, this seems to be like the greatest thing that ever happened in your life, and you just hear a thunderous applause. The whole pavilion just goes up and applaud, you know, and, and, and applause. And so, I mean, they're just like, okay, well, I mean. Well, they, they, they Hear me out. So they're like, you know, well, things are good here. Things are groovy. People are loving it. And then one of the members goes up and tries to slip the NBC um, anchor, a uh, news anchor, a note saying, get me the fuck out of Jonestown. But the guy's not expecting it and drops to the ground. 
And once again, Jones had already pre-prepped everyone, you know, be good, be good, be good. And they had um, the kids. The kids would narc on you because he would tell kids, you know, and he'd tell people, I'm sending people out there to say that I'm going to leave. And if you don't tell on them, you're a piece of shit and they're going to be undercover and they're going to report you. So if anyone mentions anything of passing notes or leaving, you better report it. Otherwise, trouble for you. And so a kid sees this note drop and he's like, he's passing a note. He's passing a note. It's like, oh, fuck. You know, but the guy, you know, Jim Jones doesn't do anything at this point. He's kind of in a box. He can't do much because it's right to the news. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's nighttime and yeah, and they're having this party. And so, you know, the congressman reads the note and eventually they find the guy and they're like, hey, man, you want to get out of here? He's like, yeah, I want to get out of here. And so they stay the night. And then the next morning, more and more people are coming up and saying, hey, man, can I get out of here with you? And he's like, okay, okay. You know, they got to process them and everything. And as they're processing them, um, Don Harris, the NBC correspondent, starts doing his interview with Jones. And Jones, you can just see him. Now, I have seen that interview. And he is just unraveling. He is just becoming unfucking hinged He's mad about it. He's, uh, he's very uh, suspicious of the questions and the context of the questions. And then no the- matter how he answers it, it's going to be used against him. Yeah, just supremely paranoid. Um, what does he use? Oh, the guy that was defecting, he thought his son would be safer there. And Jonestown, then, and so even Jones is like, well, I mean, the guy that's leaving, he's leaving his fucking kid here, so it can't be all that bad, right? Why would he leave his fucking kid here if it's so goddamn terrible? And just like you said, though, they're not thinking right. You know, it's just everything's such a horrific mindfuck. Right. And the guy is like, well, my son's half black, so I'm more worried about how he's going to be treated in the United States than he is here, where, you know, everyone gets together and gets along. And so that was his reasoning behind for leaving his son behind. And so this is happening, and Jones is just losing his shit after that interview. Because once again, what are the three people that he can't stand the most? Reporters, the government, and defectors. And he's got all three of them in fucking Jonestown at that moment. Can I ask you something? Okay. He worked for the government a number of times. He waxed intellectual and rubbed elbows with mayors and governors and yeah. presidential nominees, vice presidents, yeah. presidential wives. I, dude, don't well, I, did, yeah. You know, I like, did you ever, did you ever come across anything? Because I was looking for it that explained the flip. I knew the socialism, communist thing, but that's still those are heavily governmental yeah, things. Socialism I, is like all government. I think the switch was always there, but it was just kind of, sort of a hair trigger. Especially once he really got into the drugs. I really I mean, thought, I thought that his, all of his dislikes, whether it was the people leaving or the press or the uh, politicians that would come down to talk to him, was really the position of, do not question me. I'm infallible. You know, way back to his mom thinking he was Jesus as a baby. I, I'm the answer. Now stop and think about what you just said, because I think you just answered your own question. Who would be the type of person to question him? Well, probably a reporter, a defector, the government. Yeah, I... I yeah, so you just... Yeah, so you, basically you just answered it right there. I'm just answering what I, what I kind of thought, my right. impression of what, yeah, the, where you, this came from. Yes, and so 
the senator and Jones, like, you know, it's videotaped. The senator, this whole thing, by the way, is videotaped. A lot of this is documented, you which can, makes it kind of crazy to look it's at. It's really crazy to look at. You can literally go on and watch any of the shit that we're describing right now. You can fucking watch it. It's nuts. Um, and he's going like uh, the, 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 you know, Hungerson and Ryan sitting there going, dude, you've got a thousand people here. They love it. It's like 15 or 19 people. That's it. That want to leave out of a thousand, man. Relax. He's like, if, if I came down here and like 300 people were saying they wanted to leave or something like that, we've got an issue. But 19 out of a thousand, you're fine. You know, we're not, we're not going to do anything to you, man. And as he's saying this, um, you know, and on the video, you know, you see Jones kind of whispering aside to a lot of his age, you know, just in the middle of like these chats and these interviews. So, you, I don't, you know, you don't know what the fuck he was saying. And this guy just comes out of nowhere and just starts screaming and stabbing at the congressman. And um, they're able to get the guy off of him very quickly. One of Jones's lieutenants, um, who happens, actually, he's going to be one of the survivors later, um, is able to get him. And pull him off. I don't know the effect. You just see sort of, it looked like he maybe got stabbed once, sort of what, like by the shoulder kind of? Looked like he kind of got cut because the guy was yeah, trying cut. to get the blade to his yeah, throat and it got stopped. Yeah, because he got a little bit of blood like on yeah. his. It's like he got kind of, like it scuffed him on the way to his throat and then thank yeah. God they didn't finish. Well, the, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, then at that point, you know, the congressman kind of looks at Jones and says, well, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm out. And, um, that was a bit of a game changer. Yeah. We're leaving right now. Yeah. That was a game changer, motherfucker. So, I mean, had that guy not fucking did that, they probably, he was, the congressman would have just stayed through the afternoon, processed a couple more people and they probably would have got the hell out of there. Say, you know what I mean? Say la vie. Right. But, you know, I saw an interview with this kid where he said even before, you know, just upon learning the congressman was on his way to Guyana, he really started abusing drugs. He was up all night. He yep. was uh, he wasn't even wanting them to go to the basketball game. And, you know, this big thing that they'd been working for. He was just just a crazy man. He was yeah, absolutely he, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was the mom because he, you know, the mom, I think, knew. That daddy was way gone. And that shit was going to go down. So she got the boys that she could out on that basketball trip. So To try to protect them, sure. Yeah, to try to protect them. So, you know, good on the mom for that. It would have been nicer if she could have saved some more people, but... All right, man, what let's, can get, you do? Let's, let's get real. So right this there. is so... This is where right. shit gets just twisted. So, and once again, this is all fucking filmed. So you can see this fucking footage. It's you, just, it, it really, you know, he encourages you if you have a curiosity to do it. Uh, but at the same time, when he and I were talking about it and about going down this rabbit hole, it is not a pleasant journey. I didn't find, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty callous to most of these things. Yeah. I'm not like a highly sensitive person. Like, oh, well, this is really sad, but it is, it is fucked up on a different level. So all of this stuff, like I said, you can check out and you'll hear us talking about it. Uh, if you choose to do, check it out, check it out at your own discretion. Um, because it, it's going to burn. It's going to burn in your mind. You're not going to be able, you're, 
You're not going to be able to just watch this shit and go, okay, well, now I'm going to go play some basketball or have some fucking Cheerios and on with my day. So just keep in mind, if you do decide to fucking YouTube this shit... You know what I'm thinking about? What's that? Thinking about the guy that hears all of our warnings and he watches it. He's like, you know what? I feel nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what Jim and Travis were talking about. It's it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Fucking idiots, man. Jeez. You might, I don't know, consider some therapy. (laughs) Jesus, Jim and Travis, grow a pair. Back off the Zoloft or something because you're a little numb. If it doesn't bug you what you see because there's so many elements of this you can catch up on. Yeah. Um, so, so take us through so what we'll start. Next. We'll start with um, the news crew and um, the congressman and the defectors. So they're loaded back onto their truck and they're taken to Port Kaituma, the landing strip. And they're all getting processed, uh, you know, getting ready to get on the plane. They're processed. They're getting ready to get on the plane. And then all of a sudden these trucks come. These armored guys start just walking up to them, kind of staring them down like, you know, hey, hey, we're here, we're here. And at one point, they had a CIA agent with them that was undercover, and he gets taken away. Um, you see it in the footage. This guy gets taken away with one of the gunmen. You know, he splits off from the rest of the group. And then right after that, these trucks just pull in, and from the footage, you'd see the trucks pull in and then gunshots just start erupting out of the bed of the trucks. And they just start mowing down the people getting on the plane. There's two planes. There's a main plane and then there's a smaller plane. The smaller plane starts to take off, but the truck blocks it. So they stop. And as that happens, Jones planted one of his own guys at the last minute to go in there with a gun. And he starts opening fire. Yeah, he was posing as a defector, right? Yeah, Yeah. and he opens fire, and he shoots the guy who left his son there, point blank. Uh, Fortunately, he only got, like, the one round off, and then they were able to wrestle it away from him. Um, The other people on the landing strip weren't so lucky. Um, uh, I think Jones specifically had it out for the reporter. Uh, He... got hit yeah, the NBC like the whole crew the cameraman got hit yep. but even after the cameraman got hit it's just this crazy footage you can see he's still alive and he's still filming it sort of like from like you know down on the ground and you can see the shot fired from the land you know and you see the shot fired and it, you can just by the way the camera moves you Charlie see got hit yeah the shot that hit him it's just really creepy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the congressman's hit. A lot of people, like pretty much almost everyone's hit um, on that section of the runway, which is where the majority of the people are. Uh, we end up with five dead. Including the congressman. Including the congressman. Um, most everyone else is able to flee to the jungle. The congressman's aid is not. She's wounded, however. And at this point, they're going with shotguns up to the people. Um, that are left on the strip and point blank, specifically the congressman and I believe the journalist, um, point blank and just finishing them off. Yeah, they wanted to make sure there was no question. Yeah. So five of them are dead. Um, the cameraman for the Chronicle, the cameraman for uh, the NBC crew, the NBC uh, reporter, uh, one of the defectors, and Congressman Ryan. 
And, um, and his aide was shot point blank, but fortunately she was able to survive somehow. And she later became... She, she, I think she thing? ended up taking his job later on down the line. I thought she was like a future senator. Future senator, yeah. 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 She ended up getting... So, um, but these weren't the the point of giving the who they were and what they did was that Jones put something into play that now cannot be undone. Yes, you waste a congressman, you waste an NBC crew, you waste San Francisco Chronicle reporters or Washington Post. You're taking you're shooting up uh, you're shooting up civvies. There's no backing off this. No, he has gone too way way too far. So meanwhile, back in Jonestown. Um, he gets the call. He gets the call saying it's done. And that's when he, um, he does basically the worst thing that's been done to him. He, um, he calls a white knight. And so most people come out. There are a few smart people that hid under their beds for this. <laughs> I like those people. I love those, yeah. Um, but he calls everyone out, and they start recording a tape. Once again. God, it's so fucking just surreal. Yeah. Um, and everyone's just kind of like, what the fuck happened? And, like, this storm just comes over Jonestown. Um, just this. And he starts telling people, okay congressman's dead the red brigade went in there and they they finished him off and so now the u.s government's going to be coming for us they're going to have paratroopers coming in here at any time and they're going to do terrible things to the children they're going to do terrible things to us the things they're going to do is unimaginable it's time we need to just lay it down right now we need we need to move to the next level um, we're not killing ourselves here. We're committing revolutionary suicide. And there's a woman, uh, for the life of me, I can't remember her name. I wish I could. There were a lot of names. Go easy on yourself. But um, she stood up to it all in the middle of all of them and said, well, no, man, can't we still go to Russia? Man, uh, you think I'm not trying? I'm not trying to reach out to Russia right now. I'm trying. But it's not going to happen. This is it. They're coming for us. This is the end. Well, what about the children? What about the children? They're going to get it worse. You don't think the children have a right to live. Look, they have a right, but they also have a right to go peacefully. They're going to, and you, you hear these people just like, yeah, yeah, father's right. Father says we should commit revolutionary suicide. I'm not afraid to do it for father. You hear some people talking. Tra- oh. Travis is paraphrasing, but you can actually listen to the audio of this thing go down. Yes. Uh, it's a 45-minute tape, and you hear children screaming and crying in the background and him preaching just, mother, 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 please. Like, you, it, could, it, you could also tell he is fucked up. He is fucked up. He's, <laughs> slur- he's kind of got a lisp. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's way out there now. Yeah. And so... Um, so they start bringing in the vats of Kool-Aid. Now, I, I, it is Flavor-Aid. We don't want Flavor-Aid. to fame poor Kool-Aid. But, but here's yeah, the deal, Flavor-Aid. though. They found packets of Flavor-Aid there, but they also did have Kool-Aid there. Grape Flavor-Aid, open Grape. packets. Yep. I, I feel like Kool-Aid made sure 
that they were like, look, they had some Kool-Aid there, but that is not what they used. Right, right. <laughs> it was flavor It was Flavor-Aid. But the saying, don't drink, this is where the saying, don't drink the Kool-Aid comes from. And um, so this was Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. And uh, we actually, because... Yeah, let's roll that. We have an interview between you and a pharmacist. Uh, what's his name? Uh, we're just going to call him Friendly Neighborhood Pharmacist. Our Friendly Neighborhood Pharmacist has come on, and he's going to uh, give us a little breakdown here. So let's yeah. roll that. Yeah, let's roll that. I want to take a little break here, too. We're here today with uh, Friendly Neighborhood Pharmacist. How are you doing? Not too bad. You? I'm well, thank you. So um, we're going to talk Jonestown, and we're going to talk uh, about the Kool-Aid that was um, used in Jonestown. What can you tell us about it? Uh, okay, the Jonestown Kool-Aid. So six main ingredients. You got the Kool-Aid. Right. The cyanide. The uh, Valium, or also known as diazepam. The Phenergan, uh, also known as promethazine. Uh, diphenhydramine, that's Benadryl. And the chlorohydrate. So all six things are used in the Kool-Aid. And now exactly how... So when they drink the Kool-Aid, how, how would that respond to the body? So I would say the, the cyanide is the major one that's doing all of the working uh, into the, the body's mechanism. So essentially, um, our blood has hemoglobin in it. It's just like a red protein, and it carries oxygen from the lungs to the body, and that's how we get oxygen throughout our body. Uh, so the cyanide, uh, basically what it's going to do, it's going to deprive our body of this oxygen. Um, so the hemoglobin will just form a kind of, I'd say, a loose bond or not very stable bond with the oxygen. And it's able to freely move and break this bond. And that's how it's able to transport it fairly evenly. Okay. Um, this cyanide, it's going to make this like cyanohemoglobin bond that actually just is a very stable bond and it's not going to break. Okay. So chemically you're just making your hemoglobin not being able to carry oxygen because there's no spot for the oxygen to go anymore. So your body just ceases to get oxygen at this point or is ceasing to get oxygen. Right, because because the hemoglobin can't take up oxygen because it's being used up by this uh, cyanide now, essentially. Now would that would that be so would that be painful? Extremely. I would, I would think extremely painful. Like scale 1 to 10? 10. 10. Because, yeah, you're, you're, you're denying your tissues in your body and organs the oxygen it needs, the energy it needs to... So, so essentially, you're, you're suffocating all of your organs. So you're, and you're putting them through a quick shutdown because the Jonestown people, they said typically after they drank the Kool-Aid, they were dead within five minutes. Yeah, and I would argue... It would depend on the dose and how it's taken in um, would determine the duration and time of death. Okay. So that um, so you're saying probably high amounts of, of the uh, cyanide. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's the point then in having the other ingredients present? Well, the, the Valium or diazepam, that's kind of like a chill pill. You kind of like to think of it. Um, you know, it works in the GABA receptors in your central nervous system. So it just kinda kinda just chills you out. It's used for anxiety. It's also used for seizures, muscle spasms. It has other uses, but most people use it for acute, hey, I'm having a panic attack. I need this to work quick. 
So right. they, they take this Valium, it's kind of like a chill pill, and it should work within about 10 minutes. Okay, and so if they're dying in five minutes and having seizures right. and within five minutes, obviously, what's the point? Valium's not going to kick in That's that, that quick enough, to be honest. Um, what's the next one on the list here? The Finagrin, so the Promethazine. Yep. So that's like... Um, what exactly is that? It's like a coffee, anti-coughing agent, right? It, it it's a it's a first generation antihistamine, like Benadryl, is a first generation antihistamine. Okay, and so, that's the, the next drug on the list. Right. Okay. So I don't know how much in depth you want me to go into these drugs or not. Right. Right. Just keep it simple for folks. Most yeah. of us don't have uh, pharmacy degrees. So it this is able to cross the blood the blood brain barrier. Essentially, it causes uh, sleepiness. Okay. So first-generation antihistamines, uh, they're used for allergies and things like that, but major side effect is it makes you sleepy because it's able to cross the blood-brain barrier. Okay, so maybe what these people were thinking or what they were hoping would happen was the chill pill would relax them, yep. then this stuff would make them fall asleep, and yep. then the cyanide would do its, what it does. Yep, exactly. But obviously, in this case, they didn't dose it out right. No, because... Uh, the Phenergan and the next item down the list is diphenhydramine, Benadryl. You, you're going to take that. It's going to take at least 20 minutes for you to feel the effects of, you know, sedation. And by that point, those effects are happening on a dead body. Right. So Right. No. So I don't understand. Maybe, maybe they thought it would be a more gentle way to do it, but all they really needed was the cyanide. I mean, that's the killer here. Wow. So... So 1 to 10 on that level of pain. Then Now, you also, do you remember the applesauce that we talked about and with the Heaven's Gate folks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now how would you compare that one to what these people went through at Jonestown? So I listened to that podcast. It's a goodie. Thank you, um, thank you. So they put the bag over their head, though. So they drank the applesauce, vodka, hydrocodone, and a phenobarbital, and then I... I'm fuzzy on the details. They, and then, ap- then they kind of passed out, and then they put bags over their heads to sort of finish them off. Okay. So, yeah. It, like you mentioned in that podcast, their, their, their breaths would be more shortened. You know, they're more like a just, respiratory depression kind of thing. So they're already slowly... Just winding right, down. Yeah. Winding down, and then the bag over the head is just the finisher so uh, I'd say the Heaven's Gate would be a more pleasant way to go okay so on a 1 to 10 like 10 being Jonestown painful oh just off painful um yeah Heaven's Gate would have to be like I would say maybe a 3 ish okay maybe a 4 no way to go is a good way to go. Right, right, exactly. We're not encouraging you. No. Like, if this is how you're going to go, like, right. don't, don't, no. No. No, no way to go is exactly. But I guess the point is, is Heaven's Gate did this, you know, this was just a bunch of adults, and they, you know, went out, and this is the way they did it. Mm-hmm. And then you had, obviously, the people at Jonestown saying, the children aren't crying because they're in pain. The children are crying because it, it the drink tastes bitter. Right. That's why they're crying. Yep. So you're calling bullshit on that. Yeah, that, no, that's bullshit. Okay, thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So, okay, as you just learned, you know, the cyanide, this was a very, this was a very painful death for these people. Uh, You just heard him say out of a scale from one to ten, it was a ten. Jesus. So, um, and in the tape, 
as I referred to in the interview, you hear the woman saying, oh, the children aren't crying because they're in pain. They're crying because it tastes bitter. Well, there you go, folks. There's your, you know, pharmacist just called bullshit on that. Um, if I may uh, interrupt you here. Uh, so you've got an idea of the cocktail being served. One of the things that you've got to keep in mind is that by the time they've decided that they're going to do this, that as the whole group's going to commit suicide or, a, you know, it, it, they're going to commit suicide. Well, religious suicide or was it political, political, political suicide? protest suicide? They had 906 people die that day. 304 of those people were children and those 304 children went first. They went first. So they lined up the children first. Um, to make sure that the children didn't get punished if paratroopers descended upon, you know what I mean? They wanted, but really, they made sure the children went first because what parent then is going to leave, you know? If the children go, the parents are going to go. It's just, it makes me and sick. And it was fucking murder. Um, the kids are crying. Kids didn't want to take the flavor aid. They didn't want it. Um, and then adults who protested it, like the one lady, they just, they held them down and injected them with it. They found lots of injection marks on people. Um, they asked families lots. to sit down with their kids and lay down together. And, it, you know, he painted it as you could hear him talking. Cause like, there's a tape of this dude preaching while they're going through the line. And it is, it's pretty disgusting mother 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 don't cry don't die like this die with dignity every communism you know i'm paraphrasing but you know that's the way he was talking in it like you know a real communist uh uh what would you call it revolutionary wouldn't die like this cry and die with dignity now meanwhile back in georgetown get the vat get the vat get the vat where his son is they've got a hotel that they're running and well this uh, is the home base yeah yeah, home base home base yeah uh, they followed through too, and they. There was a family. There was a mother who was very, very devout, and um, her the older do- daughter, tw- who was like twenty-one, and the father um, was one of the um, concerned people that came that day, and he came and visited, and they had a nice day. She was a little standoffish, and they were having dinner together when the mom gets the message. And the mom comes, you know, tells the daughter to excuse herself from dinner. And uh, the son, Stephen Jones, heard this conversation. Like, the the mother brought the daughter in and said, shit's going down. We've got to kill ourselves right now. Get your father out. You know, whatever it takes, get your father out. And the girl, the 21-year-old girl hearing this, just very just, okay. And so she goes in finishes up meal with dad real quick and then says, you know, okay, well, you got to go. I got things to do tonight. And uh, he says, well, when can I see you again? She says, when you want to see me? He says, how about tomorrow? She says, okay, what time? He's like, how about 7 o'clock? We'll go fishing or something. She's like, 7 o'clock, perfect. So they send him off in a cab, and he's thinking, man, I get to see my daughter again. I'm making some inroads. Uh, His ex-wife, the mother, kind of kisses him goodbye goodbye and they um, go up into the room the mom takes a knife and uh, yeah um, they have two younger children with them they're younger siblings and um, she kills them with a knife 
And then the oldest and the mom. Yeah. The oldest and the mom slit each other's throats. Yeah. That is crazy shit. Yeah. Crazy shit. Yeah. So then meanwhile, back at Jonestown, the day's going on. More and more people are dying. Um, You've got this. um, I understand it was quick. I understand it was a a couple hours. Not an all day deal. A couple hours. Right. Um, Over the course of the. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was sort of like evening when this was. um, I believe it was evening as this was happening. And just, you know, yeah, there was just you hear the survivors talking about. You know, they would just see the children frothing at the mouths and going into convulsions and kind of walking, like bumping in, like, like, say you were just super drunk, you know, and you didn't know where you're going. You're kind of bumping into shit. Um, once again, people being held down, injected. Uh, I heard, you know, there's reports that some died of gunshots, maybe trying to escape, and the Red Brigade shot them. That fucking worm. And so how does Jim Jones fucking go fucking down? Fucking worm, dude. Yeah, he, um, it's alleged that he shot himself, but most people believe that he had someone else shoot him. His one, own son's like, he didn't have his, the balls to kill himself. He yeah, had somebody else kill him. Yeah, yeah, it was most likely one of his concubines that killed him before she killed herself with said gun. And he didn't have the balls to go out the way everyone else did with that poison. Because he knew, he probably, saw, you know, he fucking knew. Just piece of shit. There, there is absolutely no silver lining to this. No, I mean, with Waco, we were able to just maybe have a few. This, there's nothing. Well, with you know, and some of the other ones too. You know, when it came to Waco, we were looking at well, this happened and it opened the doors to this type of thing or that type of thing. You know, we looked at law enforcement. We looked at how you know individual rights, group rights. Uh, even, even if we go back to. Uh, uh, Heaven's Gate. The Heaven's Gate folks, they were at least going somewhere. Right. You know, when they come, there were 29 of them. Most of them were older. Hey, we're going we're gonna to catch a ride on the super aircraft. Yeah. There was at least a, a mood of optimism there. Right, right. And as you just heard, too, from um, um, our friendly neighborhood pharmacist, you know, that was like a three out of ten he put theirs, you know, with the way that they, they went. Three out of ten. You know, and this is older people. Maybe they learned from the Jonestown thing. I don't know, but... I mean, as we also said in the interview, don't learn from any of this because there is no good death. There isn't. This is a just yeah. despicable. This is murder. This is murder. Jim Jones murdered all those people. Yes, he did. Uh, because he was too much of a fucking pussy to go down himself for his own actions. He caused these actions and he made these people die with him so he wouldn't be alone. Now, let me ask you this. Is this church, is, this, is there still fragments of this fucking church around? People's or is temple, it done? Once again, with anything, there might be a couple shards left over, but, you know, uh, no. I mean, the, once again, he was the people's temple. Okay, so none of those other establishments that were set up survived. I mean, any of the people that were there, they don't... It collapsed. Yeah, they're... Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. He's 100% with you. Yes. Fuck that guy. This was a shitty one, dude. This was fucking hard. Um... Because it's all there. It's all documented. It's all, you know, I was happy to let you run with most of the descriptors. I was, I, I found myself, uh, as you could see, looking over at me, just shaking my head as you were telling, you know, yeah. the recounts of this whole thing. It's just a. Yeah, well, it was hard for me to say some of those parts. So thanks for coming in and helping because it was, it's not easy. Well, you saw it. 
I mean, you, you, if you go and look at this stuff, which I'm not encouraging you to do, there's helicopters flying over three day old bodies of the whole camp, and it's just it's bodies just littered, everywhere, littered with bodies. Um, and the thing is, too, where they died in the pavilion that they died, there was a um, there's a sign just right there for everyone to see that says, "Those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it." And it's just this creepy, you know, um, if you watch the footage from the night before when they have the concerts for everyone and they're having the party, that sign is prominent in the background as the band's playing. Um, You know, in this, Jones's fucking chair is right underneath that sign. And you see all these dead bodies with this fucking sign, with this message. Once again, I'm going to repeat those... Those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. I was Travis McFalls. How's James Hamilton? Where is my mind? Where is my mind? 